Hey, sports fans. Thanks for stopping by. I'm Hosk, and I'm going to lick the top of one of the beers I owe Kudo, but I'm not telling him which one. Fucking Leafs. I'm Jones, and who's ready to bash the god-awful Leafs? I'm Kudo, and Habs, baby! You make my dreams come true. into sports and stuff like what are we talking about i supposed to be the franchise player and we're in here talking about practice or not ball into the wind of it is first offering just a bit outside you're an announcer with a long stick from time to time catch them all joe you'll never hit a bigger home run in your life it's funny to me too screw up this is your time now go out there and take it on tonight's episode we recap the epic collapse of the toronto maple leafs Things got rough in the first game between the Avs and Knights. Seth Jones could be the biggest name on the trade market this offseason. The MLB is getting sued for moving the All-Star game. Haas got stuff to talk about. And once again, Scrutinizer Jones puts us on the grill. This is Inter Sports and Stuff. Well, boys, happy anniversary. Hey, one year! Yay! Yeah, happy anniversary to us and... uh, it sucks that hockey season's over for another year, but uh, we'll get to that in the fall. Once again, it's not over, boys. For you, it is, but not for us. So big gulps, eh? Hey, guys. Oh, big gulps, huh? All right. Well, see you later. <laughs> I can't wait till Big Brother comes back. Give us something to talk about. Yeah, yeah. It's gonna be a it's gonna be a dry uh, a dry summer around here. That's for sure. Fuck. Oh no! We suck again. Okay, Kudo. I'm going to wipe that fucking shitty and grin off your face and just get into it. Nope. I got the big grin like fucking Matthews had early on in this series. Habs, baby. What did I tell you? They had to shut you him tell down. Us anything. You tell they had us to anything. shut him down. Price had to play his game, be, on, be fucking stellar, and the Habs had to score. And in game five to seven, the Habs finally scored. And Price did too his job. Chicken shit to call the comeback. I wasn't fully calling the comeback. I just said the way they were playing and from games like fucking two to four. Yeah, they were playing like shit. They weren't going to pull it off. But they obviously came out in game uh, five and they came out to win. They knew it was do or die and they fucking did it. They pulled it off in game five in the overtime, which that game could have gone any either way. Game six, they had to do what they did. And then game seven, they fucking they fucking did it. I, I fucking can't believe it. Fucking, it's the best. It's the best feeling. I love it. The fact that the Habs beat the Leafs and the first time facing them in the playoffs in my lifetime is all I wanted. Fucking awesome. Thank you, Montreal Canadiens. And thank you, Carey Price. I just wanted him to win a game. <laughs> no, I said that I just wanted him to score goals. I, I just wanted the Leafs to win a game. And Same they couldn't here. win that game. They Once got again, they couldn't do it. What is it, like 18 years now? They can't get out of yep. the first round? Yeah, who's counting? Oh, a lot of people a, are. It's a stat. <laughs> they just they got out they got outworked. They did not bring their lunch pail to the office and they got outworked. Yeah, it's pretty sad. I'll give credit to uh as you guys some of you guys like to call him Big Willie Styles. Give credit to him because he actually showed up and played, and I was actually impressed with his gameplay. Like watching him sometimes in the regular season, he doesn't show up and he's like afraid to go in corners on that. 
but he was working his ass off for you guys. And he was back checking, which I've never really seen that come from him. And he was, he was putting up points and he was working his ass off doing what he can do to help lead that team. Cause obviously Marner and Matthews couldn't do shit. The have shut down Matthews and a Marner, like, I don't know what the fuck happened to him. I think he needs to put his big boy pants on when it comes to the playoffs. Cause he hasn't shown that at all. He's obviously scared of the playoffs. The guy doesn't do fuck all in the playoffs. They, fucking terrible. And he just cuffs off the puck on that first goal. It was I was glad it was him that he coughed it up and then Gallagher went in and scored. That was the best. That was a bad goal all around. It was bad goal for Marner. Bad goal on Campbell's part. He should have had that one. That was shot from fucking 40 feet out. Five hole. Should have had it. Game five, he got off to a terrible start. First two goals in game five. Actually, probably all three goals in game five were not the greatest of goals. No, 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 no. You can't yes. fault him on the 2 on in overtime. There was four goals in game five. That's why I didn't fault him on the fourth goal. All right. Well, you, you made it seem like all the goals, and I didn't remember closely enough to know that there was four goals. So yeah. you're right. There is, yeah, the two Armia ones were shit. And was it Corey Perry with the other one? I don't know. Yeah, the, the uh, yeah, so game five, they, but, you blame the goals on them for being soft, but they came out fucking absolutely flat. They always talk about starting on time. It looked like they were playing game fucking 10 of the regular season from games five, six, and seven for the first period. They just looked like they didn't care to be out there. They were like us. They thought they had it in the bag. They, they, they were, probably should have. There, there's, there's no reason for Montreal to have turned it around and dominated those three games. Like The Leafs just didn't show up. They, yeah, they didn't show up. They're in cap hell. They rely on unproven players and their third, fourth lines or players that they can get on league minimum. Their defense, same thing. They don't have defensive depth. They're, they're just, there's a lot that they need to fix before they can, I think, make a run at it. They need someone like, it's terrible to say, but you need like a Brad Marchand or you need a Gallagher or you need a Tom Wilson, first of all. Like, you can't rely on Zach Hyman to have that role. Zach Hyman is, in my eyes, he's not a player like Marchand or Gallagher or Tom Wilson. They, that's one area they need to address. They thought bringing in Wayne Simmons was going to do it, but Wayne Simmons is a older player. He's never really proven himself to be a winner anywhere he played. He's just... Something Wayne that Simmons is only 32. He's not that old. He's only 32? Yeah. He's, I thought he'd be he's like 35. He's still older by NHL standards. By standards, sure. But he's not yeah. He's not over the hill. It, I think if you can bring him back on the same deal, you do that. Spezza is found money. He's you know, he's way better than a seven dollars $800,000 player. He, you know, if you get him back on the yeah, same, he's that's, that's the he, issue. He helps with their, their cap issue. Yeah, they have fucking cap issues. Yeah, no and you're doubt. talking about bringing in players that are like seven hundred and fifty thousand dollar players to play on your third and fourth line. When you look at, any I other didn't, team. I didn't talk about bringing them in. I talked about bringing them back. Same thing, bringing them back, bringing them in. Well, you got to play somebody. Yeah, exactly. But they're they're in cap hell, so they need to do something about it. They're it's just the way it is. Yeah, and you know they've been fucked by COVID. They should have an extra. Seven eight million dollars. You never know how them. much the cap is going to go up. Yeah, but it, it's gonna it goes up every year. Yeah, but it could have gone up a million bucks. They never say it's going to. Could have gone. Up. It could have gone up ten million bucks. 
Exactly. So you can't say they got fucked by COVID and saying they should have had an extra $10 million when you don't know what the cap is. Yeah, and, and they got a new TV deal in the States. So revenue is going to be that much higher already for next season. That's next. That's next season. That's not this season. What are, what are we talking about here? Are we talking about going forward? Or are we talking about how it's, it's the same, everything that's it. Their cap has been a problem for the last couple of years. Like they, that's what I'm saying. There's they have to sign these players on league minimums or million dollar deals because they've got 40 million dollars tied up in four players and then if you want to add in Brody who they just signed and Muzzin and Riley they now have 55 and 60 million dollars tied up in eight players so you have 20 million dollars to sign 20 or 18 odd players 12 to 18 players why do you need 18 players if you have eight already you have 25 guys on your roster so you need another 12 players yeah, they're not all counted. You can carry 23. Well, if you're counting the goalies, I guess you 25. Yeah, 25 of yeah. the goalies. And they all, you have to. Is it 23 with guys. the goalies? Sorry. No, is it 23 with the goalies? You carry 18, you get three three reserves plus your two goalies. Okay, so you got 23. A, so you got eight players signed up to 55 million bucks, $60 million. Yeah. Yeah, they're not in a good spot. I don't think anybody is going to sit here and tell you that the, the Leafs. Uh, aren't worried about the calf situation, but you have to deal, you know, these are the, the cards that they've dealt themselves. They, uh, you know, try to stack the deck. It didn't, it hasn't worked thus far, but you know, you're, you're a loser until you're a winner. Just ask Ovechkin. Right. Um, so who knows? These guys are still young. Like if we look at the grand scheme of things, their, their biggest problem was they overachieved early. And that's why those guys got, you know, big money is because they were overachieving in, in their entry-level deals. And now we're in year five, which is, you know, where they're supposed to be. This is where the window to compete was supposed to open in the rebuild plan. So, yeah, it sucks that they've... All superstars overachieve in their first couple of years. Think about it. Like, did Crosby come into the league being shit? No, Crosby came into the league being a superstar. Ovechkin came into the league no, being a superstar. He wasn't actually that good as a rookie, I don't think. I don't know the numbers, but I don't. I, I think he underachieved. Yeah, he People was. thought he was going to put up like 200 points in his rookie year. No, yeah, no one level, but by the time He still put up points, but he was still one of the top players in the league. By the time Crosby was done his entry-level contract, he was a superstar in the league. Same with Ovechkin. Same with any top five draft pick. You can't That's say they game. weren't. Jonathan Taves. Marc-Andre Fleury. Like all these guys, they all deserve, they all got big money contracts when they came out of their entry level contract. Like it's just, they, they rely too much on a style of, of style of play that is by far a regular season style, but it's not good when the games get tough in the playoffs. No, you got to battle the playoffs. You got to work for every inch. Yeah. The ice gets squeezed. Yeah. And you can't dipsy doodle around as much. And you, it's just like in game, game six. That game in overtime, they're out shooting Montreal 13 to 1. And instead of just chipping the puck off the glass and getting it out of the zone, like you've been taught when you were younger, they're all about the puck possession. And Dermot tries to spin back around to keep control of the puck and turns it over and they score the game winning goal. On that play, yeah. I honestly look I honestly thought he was trying to pass it back. No, he was trying to keep control of the puck by spinning. Yeah, but, but when he does that spin, though, the way the puck comes off his stick, yeah. it almost looks like he was trying to like back, like back, pass it back and didn't, re- didn't realize that there was a Hab right there. If you look at that play, the first thing he saw was that Habs guy coming down on him. And 
all you had to do was chip it off the boards. Oh, exactly. Yeah, that's how you like, were taught to fucking just get it out. That's off the boards, off the out. glass, whatever you do, get it out of the zone. Yeah, I sound like Don Cherry. I, I get it. I sound <laughs> like Don Cherry, but when you're in overtime in a game that, you know, if you win, you advance, who fucking cares about controlling the puck like that? Get the puck off the out of the zone. It's like yeah. Marner's, Marner's play in game seven. You get the puck, you're going one on three. You try and dangle them. Why not put the puck into the corner with a purpose and chase after it? Like that's because he's afraid to do to that. Evolve. You can't rely on being puck possession. And then when you look at the puck possession stats in the first period of the last three games, they didn't have more than forty five percent of the puck in those first in the first period of all three games. So you know you have to adapt, and I don't think they adapted well. Yeah, but two of their goals in Game Six was also kind of lucky because both of them went off yeah. Petrie. I I'm not a disagreeing with that both of them went off petrie that's why i was going to pick petrie to score the overtime winner on his own net <laughs> on his own net <laughs> yeah but the pucks pucks were going in off every, of, of people the whole series like the oh, yeah. game winner that game went in off bogosian yeah the, the, the overtime goal yeah that definitely went off his knee or skate or something yeah but i'm still thinking that goal should have never that play should have never been like that that puck should have been just out chipped off and out of the zone and yeah, I get it. I'm sitting on the couch, but it's also <laughs> it's also things that you know that you've been taught growing up playing hockey. Yeah. That's that's what you're taught. Like, and I think I think the the Habs adjusted after Game Four, and the Leafs didn't. And that's that's why they're out. That's why they're sitting at home on or probably on the golf course for all I know. Yeah, but the Habs also like they some of the players took like they stepped down from their actual role. Like you had Gallagher, who was normally on the first or second line, went down to the third line, was becoming a checker, and just like he didn't, he wasn't worried about scoring goals. He was just more like, I got to play defense and I got to check and I got to do what I got to do. Like they, he learned his role and said, "Hey, the, the team needs me to do this. I'm gonna do this." Where I find a lot of the Leaf players, they they're just like, "I just want to fucking score." Like they don't go down and do what they have to do. Like Marner didn't show up. He didn't go in the fucking corner to get pucks. The only player which I give credit to is Nylander. He impressed me this series. Because he was working hard and he was actually going in the corners and he was actually hitting, which I was like, holy fuck, this guy hits. Like Matt, he was the actual, him and Spezza were like the best fucking players on your team. Yeah, I think Spezza and you was can't probably, have that. No, I think Matthews had a decent series. He didn't score, which is one of the reasons why they lost. But I think he did play with a physical edge to his game. But you still have to score. Like yeah, that's what that's what you're paid for. Like yeah, you got to find a way to get the puck in the net. Like. The only goal he scored was him driving the net hard and get banging in a rebound, going to the dirty areas to score a goal. Yep. And I think that shows you that in the playoffs, that's something you need to do. You can't just rely on the shot from the outside or whatever. You like you need to drive to the dirty areas. You need to get physical in front of the net to get a goal. Like it's he couldn't he couldn't hit the net. No, he couldn't. He had a bunch had of 30, shots. Like, he had thirty four shots that hit Carey Price. So yeah, but how many shots attempts? Thirty-four scoring chances. I don't think he had thirty-four shots on net. I think he had the shooting percentage was like it's like four percent or something like that. No, I don't think it was that high. I could. You got to have other players contribute, right? The Habs, like I said from before the series started, I said the Habs have to shut down Matthews, and they did what they and they did that, and that's one of the reasons why they won because they stopped the the Leafs got their contribution. You got to think too. The Leafs were without their their one two punch because Tavares was gone the whole series. So you know, thirteen million, ten million dollars, whatever Tavares makes in depth for them was was out of the lineup the entire series. 
So yeah, but you know, then- they I, I think they played pretty well with their depth considering I would have liked to see that series get played with Tavares there the whole time. I, I think it's still feasible that they lose because they just because of the way that their team matched up and the way that Montreal did commit to their game plan. But I think it's a different series if Tavares is there the whole time. Plus, you know, if you don't, when you're missing Muzzin, your best, most physical defenseman for all the game seven, half of game six, it doesn't, uh, doesn't help either. So, yeah, but also injuries do happen, right? Like, if, I'm, I'm yeah, not discounting that. I'm just saying. I'm just saying it could have been a different series. Yeah, I, I agree. Lekkanen but... went down for the Habs. Lekkanen fucking sucks. Kudo. Lekkanen. Lekkanen going not down was playoffs, a blessing not for you. Need, not even we needed him in the fourth line going in there and digging for. Okay, so and going so hard. you would prefer to have Lekkanen in there and Eric Stahl in the press box, the guy that was doing everything for you. Well, we had Eric Stahl in the press box the one game. Yeah, because you had fucking Lekkanen in there. <laughs> I personally, I just think that they. I think that. Sheldon Keith didn't do enough to get Marner or Matthews going. I don't think he did enough to get them away from the matchup of Phil Deneau. I think that's something that you knew the Montreal Canadiens wanted at starting game five. That's exactly what they wanted. They want wanted that Matthews line to go against Phil Deneau and he shut him down and that line shut him down. And as a coach, if you see that line doing that, you need to do whatever you can to get him away from it be it double shifting him, be it, you know, off an icing instead of sending him over the boards just because it's an offensive zone face off, you sit him for a shift and then get him out there. Like it's just think things need to happen to get get away from the matchup of the guy that's shutting down your best player. Yeah, I didn't I didn't notice that as much as you did. It makes sense definitely that they should have controlled that narrative, you know, better. The the thing I I feel I think Keith made some lineup adjustments that worked, and I think he made some lineup adjustments that weren't that didn't work. Uh, I I credit him in like Game Six when he moved Spezza up the lineup. He had Spezza with Kerfoot and Hyman, um, and they were going. They were buzzing at the end of the game. They were the, probably the reason they tied that game up. You know, the fact that he's willing to make those you know in game adjustments is, is beneficial. But I think he really he dropped the ball and not splitting up Matthews and Marner when neither one of them could get anything going. You know, as you get into game, game six, game seven, you know, even if you give them a couple shifts away from each other, um, just to see what the matchups look like for, you know, for them, maybe you get, you know, Marner out there with, uh, with Kerfoot and Nylander or with Kerfoot and, and Hyman, you know, just switch it up a little bit, put Matthews with Nylander and uh, move Felino up to the top line or whatever you want to do. I think there was opportunity to split those guys up that might have been able to get them going and might have been able to get Montreal off their matchup game. Yeah, and also, like, Felino wasn't 100%. You could tell he wasn't 100%. He was skating. Like, it was awful to watch him try and play out there. And it just goes to kind of show you, like, where they are with organizational depth if you can't plug someone into that spot. Like, I don't know why they didn't have Adam Brooks out there, like, and the games that he played, he was pretty decent for them in the in his role. And if you're going to say that 50% Nick Felino is better than 100% Adam Brooks, then like where is your depth in the organization? <laughs> like what, seriously though, like I liked that. No, I agree. I, I liked <laughs> that Keith put um, put the Kerfoot line back together with um, Nylander and Galchaniak to start Game Seven at least, and Felino down the fourth line because they, you know, they. 
that hurt them to start game six. I think that's part of the reason they didn't start on time was they put Felino right back on that second line and Kerfoot would Kerfoot was buzzing on that line in uh, in games you know four and five. Uh, that was that was their best line. So I did, didn't make a lot of sense to me why you put Felino back in there. Uh, but yeah, like you said, the the depth wasn't it wasn't prominent, and it's hard when when the guy you lose is Tavares, and then you've got to make up another spot for Felino. You know they made it work early. May not have been the worst thing to get Riley Nash back in there, but at the same time they. He just didn't seem to have the trust and, you know, he wasn't up to game speed either. So I don't know. Brooks, I thought was okay, but he's not, he's not the answer either. So do you think, do you guys think it was worth picking up Felino after results of what happened? Like, I feel like he did fuck off for you guys. Well, well you can't look at it in retrospect. I think at the time that they made the trade, it was a good deal for them. It gave them a piece that they needed. Obviously, it's a it's one of those fucked up seasons, and they only played what ten games after he he was there. He had to quarantine, then he got hurt, and then he gets hurt again in the playoffs. So, you know, obviously, if we can go back in time, it doesn't benefit us to give up a first round pick for him. But you know, at the time, I I still I don't I think it was the right move that they made. Yeah, I would agree that it was a it was a move that they needed to make. I I still think they needed to address their defense in a different way, like. You go out and you you get Ben Hutton and you get the injury to Jake Muzzin. You can't trust, you couldn't trust Sandine after he had that terrible game five. So he doesn't play game six. You go out and get this guy for for depth and like he's a bigger body. Why isn't he in the lineup instead of Sandine if you couldn't trust him in game six? And so I think, I think, yeah, it's, but you don't want to crush Sandine either. You know, you need him. You need to develop him. He he still needs to be a player. I understand you have to win, but I, I don't think he was a I don't think he was terrible in game seven. I don't think he was great, but I don't think he was terrible. Yeah, but still I, I think like, they have I think the Hutton move really gave them depth because they now had eight defensemen. You didn't you weren't in a, a Marty Marinchin situation and the fact that, you know, they could lose Muzzin and you know you have Hutton, you have Sandine, so you ha- still had some options. I think it came down to Hutton didn't play; he didn't play at all in the series. He didn't play much leading into that. So were they prepared to you know ride uh, Riley and Brody for you know thirty plus minutes if they needed to? And it, it's tough. It, it's a tough season. It's very you know I think that's very under under discussed for you know, the situation and, you know, going to game seven, a hard fought series, they played seven games in 12 days after having a, a, a long grueling season. It, it's tough. Yeah. But all these other teams are, you know, the, the teams Habs that had are, a pretty bad. Uh, I, I'm there. not, I'm not using it as an excuse. I'm just saying that it, it's, it's a factor. It's not an excuse everybody's up against the same, everybody's exactly. in the same situation. But if you're playing to, you know, my thing is if to, you, if you're, if you're going to pick up Ben Hutton for organizational for depth and an injury comes about and you couldn't trust him to put him in there, then why'd you pick him up? And if you're going to say, cause he didn't play enough, then why didn't he play down the stretch more to get him that like it to me, it's just, you know, they got, they were overconfident on what they had instead of, you know, maybe we should get this guy some games. So that way, if we need him, he's ready to go instead of, 
well, we might not need him. And if he, if it is, maybe it'll be like game one or two of a series and we'll just toss him in there and he'll play two or three minutes in the game and kind of get his legs that way. I think, I think things leading up to the end of the season were also had their backfire on the team. Yeah, that was like Riley Nash, wasn't it? He came in. Yeah, but they couldn't take him off games. because they couldn't take these guys off because they had no money. Like they couldn't take them off the LTIR. So they had to wait until the playoffs started to get these guys in the game. Yeah, and then he played like, what, one or two games in the series and that was it? And he didn't do anything? Yeah, and now he cost the least a six-round pick. He also didn't cost them anything. Yeah. Instead of a seventh-round pick, he's a sixth-round pick. So it seems like the Leafs are regretting a lot of the moves they made at the deadline. (laughs) I don't think you regret that, Nash. You know, he was a depth move. It didn't... He. I think they they saw he was he wasn't at game speed, so he took him out after game one and gave him a shot in game three. Still still trying to get his legs. I think, you know, if if they if big if for the Leafs and the hypotheticals, but if they had gotten through, he could have been a valuable piece for him as he works himself back into shape and you know, because he is a, a very good defensive center. He may not fit the puck possession scheme that they play, and that might be the one downfall that he has. But he very easily could have been uh, Philip Dino, um if they needed somebody to to be a shutdown and you know shadow if they had to you know go in and shadow the the Berger online or something like that. Maybe he can. He probably wouldn't have been good enough to play against that line. But just saying, he's he has that reputation. <laughs> I don't know. Your superstars didn't really show up, and Price stood on his head. That's all that yeah, matters. Price Price won the series. It, uh, that's that's the ball. Yeah, you can't say the Habs played bad either. Yeah, the Habs the Habs outworked the Leafs and they scored when they had to. And obviously, it, it comes to like every series. It comes down to goaltending, like we said before. It's going to come down to goaltending. You need the goaltending to move on. Goalies have to stop pucks, and then your team has to score. And as much as you say Price won the series, Campbell had better numbers than Price, other than in the win column. So like. You have to give Montreal credit for the way they played. Like they, and I take nothing away from Campbell. I think he played well. He just didn't make the saves when he needed to. No, and I agree. I I said I texted. I think Gindon in Game Five after he gave up the first goal. I said I think one more shaky goal and you got to get him out of there. He gives up the second goal, the shaky goal. Second goal was shaky. Right then and there, they should have just got him out of there, let him regroup for Game Six, and. Thank goodness he came out and actually had a game in Game Six. But in the same sense, you got you, you should have got him out of there. And not only because he let in two shaky goals, but maybe he had a good game in Game Five, though. After that, yeah, but he all th- three of the goals he let in were all shouldn't have gone in. Yeah, but in Game Five, yeah. he was getting pampered by the Habs. Like he stood, he he did well. Like problem, he like, stood in there for his. Okay, but you guys didn't but, fucking help him out. He didn't get the support. Like how I'm used to the price not getting the support or the goal scoring that he needs when he's in net. What I'm saying to you is, is that if you're on the bench, Kudo, and your goalie lets in, say, two shitty goals, right? Your team's already playing flat. You let in two crappy goals. The coach goes, takes the goalie, replaces the goalie with another goalie. What does that do to you on the bench? Does that light a fire under your ass? That maybe, okay, we need to step up because we got this guy coming in. He's cold. Let's get some fucking momentum going. Or yeah, are, you, are you sitting there going, the game's over? Like, I think it works in the advantage of the team. That's You always notice that when a team pulls their goalie and puts in a different goalie, they come out like as a totally different team. And I think that's something that you have to do when you see your goalie let in two soft goals. Like, it's just, it's just the way it is. 
Yeah, they have to respond because especially if you play for your team, like your teammates. Yeah. Like if you're coming out of the if you're my goalie and you let up two shitty goals and you come out, but we know you've been like sitting on your head for us in the series, I'm gonna be like, holy fuck, like come on, boys. Like Jones just fucking stood on his head. Yeah, okay, two shitty goals, but like he's getting pulled to the game where he's our goalie. Like, let's fucking get in there now. Let's fucking get some goals. Like, yeah, like our backup's going in. And obviously we're gonna have to get back in this game to get going here because like it's not fair to Jones to have him fucking stand on his head and then just two shitty goals and he's already out of the fucking game. Yeah, it's just it's just stuff that it it's just the way it is. It's as being a goalie too, you kind of kind of know these things. Like it doesn't even mean you have to pull them for the whole game. Like you take them out for a whistle or two and say, see if it fires up the guys. Yeah. You just go to them on the bench when you pull them and say, you're going back in just trying to fire up the troop because they're, they're playing flat. And it's just, it's just things that little things that I I don't know. I think their power play was God awful. Like Kev, like you said, working on a different, well, the Habs power play, the least power play at the start of the year was probably on pace to be one of the best power plays ever. And then it was, just gone. Yeah, because everyone knew what they were doing. They had the same play the whole year, almost like the, uh, the like the Washington Capitals with Ovechkin. But if you can get in front of Ovechkin and stop him from taking that shot, you stop them from scoring on the power play. Yeah. But if you let Ovechkin get that shot off, they're like the goalie's gonna have a hard ass time trying to stop that fucking shot. Agreed. So like I don't know, it's just. But I also found Campbell to be a little shaky on uh, Game Seven. There, there was one shot early on where he it went to his it was going glove hand. And he went to go get it with his glove, but it just hit his glove and dropped in front of him and, like, was bouncing around. Like, I thought the Habs were going to score on that goal or, like, on that play. Like, he looked kind of shaky a, f- a few times. Yeah, I would agree. And to be brutally honest with you, it's sitting there watching the start of Game 7 was, like, it was nerve-wracking because you were almost kind of waiting for that goal to happen, like a soft goal to happen. Yeah, and deflate the fucking team. Well, just knowing that who's in net on the other end of the ice, he's probably one of the most, like, cool calm collected goalies of this era he's i think he's seven and two in elimination games now like eight and two now i think it is isn't it? or no or maybe eight and two. two now yeah but just and that's like sitting there. Compet- that's all competitive like that's nhl and like world juniors and and olympics and olympics and the world cup yeah but i'm just saying you, you you're going up against a guy that's got that pedigree it's you know your team can't let off a soft one because it's going to be hard to beat him and that's that's the way it is. Yeah, and he was on fire because of the last two games before. He finally – I think he was just trying to get back into, like, coming off of the injury, right? When he started the series, he had that little stink down in the uh, AHL yeah. to get his get him back into game shape, basically, get him ready for the series. And then game one, he played well. And then game two and three, it was just the team in front of him. They couldn't do much for him. He still fucking stood on his head. Like I said, it was – Well, yeah, he was – the Habs, what, I think from games one to four, they only scored four goals. And then from five to seven, they scored 10 goals. Yeah. So they gave him the the, the support he needed for scoring. Because usually he goes in there and they don't give him the scoring chance or the scoring support that he needs. Almost like a pitcher. You got like someone like was it DeGrom who goes in, can pitch a hell of a game, but he'll lose a one nothing game because his team can't get him the runs that he needs. And Price is the same way. He goes in there, he'll fucking let in like one or two, but the Habs can't fucking get more than a goal or two to fucking win the game. Yeah. Price will like they'll lose one nothing and Price will stay on his fucking head and let one one goal goes in, but it's it's but it's not his fault because the team can't fucking score. Um, but they were actually able to do that in game five, six, and seven. Like how they said there was one stat they said once the have scored more than three goals in the game, they won the series like they won that game in the series. Yeah. And that's what it came down to. That's every it's time just they scored like, three or more goals, they won the game. Yeah. It's uh it's just like 
I think there was a stat about Campbell when he let up, I think it was two or less. He hadn't lost a game all year, right? But yeah, they just, yeah, I don't know. I think they just got outworked. Yeah, because wasn't it after game five he made a comment too? He's like, I let more than three goals in. That shouldn't be allowed. Or just letting three is like, is not acceptable yeah. for myself. Like, yeah. And he took ownership. He knew it right away. He's like, once he knew, once he let in three or more, he's like, I can't have that happening. I, I can't let them score more than three or have yeah. them score three. He took ownership of the soft goal in game seven, too. Yeah. He said, you know, that's one I got to have. He played well, and I, I, I do feel bad for the guy because you saw him, like, really emotional after the game, too. And he's yeah. putting it all on himself, and it's not on him. You can't always just put it on the fucking goalies. No. But he's also being a teammate and taking it on him because he's the goalie and taking ownership that, like, yeah, I fucking let some soft goals in, and I didn't stop him when I had to. But at the yeah, same time, his team needs to fucking score for him. Like I said about the Habs, Price is going to do his thing, but you got to fucking score for Price so the Habs can yeah. win. And the Price, and the Habs did that in the last three games where Toronto wasn't doing that. Agreed. Got no, and I got no argument. That's right. Because now you finally see what I was talking about before the series. Price stands on his head, Habs score, they're going to win. I had believed in them because I knew Price was going to do you his job. Believe but not enough to call the comeback. But no. I didn't write them fucking off. I told you the way they were playing, they weren't going to pull it off. They had to come out and do and fucking stand and get in front of Camel, get shots, and start scoring fucking goals. You had to score goals. You wrote them You're off. Not going to win if you don't score goals because you knew Price You're is going to stop him. You're a fucking Fairweather Habs fan. I you didn't write didn't him fucking off. Comeback. If if you called the comeback, fuck you, Fairweather Habs fan. I would have gave you. You're, You're a fucking Fairweather Leaf fan. You guys are a joke. There's, the weather has never been fair no, in Leaf we're land. Cold weather Leaf fan. Yeah, like I have always said, I'm say told, a of, told a lot of the fucking Leaf fans, come talk to me when you fucking get out of the first round of the playoffs. You guys all talk like you're going to win the cup every fucking year, but you never get out of the first round. Well, someone's got to talk like they're going to win the cup. Well, you can believe in your fucking team to like do it, but don't every year be like, oh, yeah, we're guaranteed to win the cup. We're going to win the cup. We got the team to do it this year, blah, blah, Or be like a Dane. Oh, guaranteed in five years they're going to win a cup. Dane, your time's up. It's been like fucking seven years. They haven't won a fucking cup. Your guarantee's over, okay? It's ran out. Time's out. What I am going to say is this year should have been their easiest path to the final four. That's what yeah, I'm the way the, the the way this the this season went, they had the greatest opportunity to make it to the final four, yeah. and they obviously didn't take advantage of that. Because now next year they got to go back and they've got to deal with Boston and Tampa Bay and all the teams in the East, the teams in the Metro. It's yeah, this year would have should have been their easiest path to the final four. All right, are we done with uh, Leafs talk? Go Habs, go! I actually do have some fun facts if we want to bring that up. Should sure, I say I'm sure facts? they're not fun, but go ahead. They're fun for me, so I'm gonna. I got two of them. Kudos. Fun facts. So my fun fact of the week: the Maple Leafs and the Atlanta Thrashers have advanced to the second round the same amount same amount of times since 2004. <laughs> uh, I find that one really funny. But Atlanta's not in the league anymore. Exactly. That's why it's funny. But aren't they the Winnipeg Jets now? It doesn't matter. Hey, here's okay? a fun, here's a fun, fun fact. fact it's hilarious. The Leafs and Canadians have won the same amount of cups since 1994. Ha ha ha. Okay. My next fun fact. The Toronto Maple Leafs have set a new NHL record with 55 consecutive years without winning a Stanley Cup. Boom. And that's your fun facts. From your Habs fan, kudo. Go Habs, go baby. All I wanted was them to beat the Leafs and they did it. And thank you. Now we can move on. Okay. On another note, um, Kudo has been replaced on the the panel. Uh, we'll have a new host in his spot next week. Uh, 
folding auditions starting tomorrow. Oh, you guys are salty. You guys are definitely still a typical producer, Leaf though. fan being salty today. Yeah. Shh, no one knows. Okay, so first round's it's over. A secret. Leafs almost won. Vegas beat Minnesota in seven games. Canes came back, won a bunch of overtime games, put out the Preds. Six games, I think. Um, so our yep. second round is officially set. We've been making our picks as we go here. So we got in the West, we got Colorado versus Vegas. In the Central, we got Carolina versus Tampa Bay. In the East, we got Boston versus the New York Islanders. And in the North, we got Winnipeg versus Montreal. First round picks, Kudo went seven of eight. Jones and I both went uh, five and eight or five of eight. What do you got? Kudo, who do you got in the West? What's the West again? Because everything's all fucked up now. That's the West like Colorado. Oh, so Vegas. I took Vegas in that one. Jones? I've got my preseason Stanley Cup prediction Colorado Avalanche. I got Colorado as well. Uh, Central Division, Carolina versus Tampa Bay. Jones, who do you got? Tampa Bay. Kudo? I took Tampa Bay. And I got Carolina. Uh, in the East, or the Metro, I don't know what they're called. East. Uh, Boston versus the New York Islanders. Two the series tied 2-2 right now. Going back to... 1-1. Yeah, whatever. Two games. Yeah, you know. It could be 2-2 eventually. We never know. Yeah, you know, when is this, this going to air, Kudo? I don't know. Friday morning <laughs> like it normally does? Pod comes out Friday. Okay, it's 1-1. 1-1. Don't forget to subscribe. Who do you got? I'm taking the Islanders. I also am taking the Islanders. Fuck the Bruins. But don't tell Carly. I got I got the Islanders as well. Uh, and then uh, that's it. There's no other divisions to pick. That's, what? That's it for hockey. What about the North? What about the North? There is no North division. We the North. Can I get on the North? <laughs> Can go north. Go Raptors. Okay, Montreal, Winnipeg. Oh, I got the Habs, baby. Let's go. Jones, I am also going to take the Habs. Ooh. That's right, Jones. You hop on. I'll catch you. I got the Jets. I'm going to take the Jets. Kudo, you want to wager? Let me no. earn my beer back. Fuck you. I want my beer. Double or nothing. No. Because like I said. Whoa. Whoa fair weather nothing. Habs fan over here. Won't even, won't even put anything down on him. That's two cases. Why of do beer. I have to bet on my team? 40, I already did it on the first round. I'm happy. I want my case of beer. Hand it over. Forty-eight beers, and you're turning. Because I'm a, I'm a big Atlanta Thrasher fan. I didn't like the way you were disrespecting them. Um, so now I'm going to take the Winnipeg Jets, who used to be the Atlanta Thrashers. We're going to Danny Heatley Ferrari this thing into the next round. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's not cool, but kind of funny. All right, fine. Fuck it. Double or nothing. Let's go. I like it. Peer pressured into that bet. Ah, it's like those famous last words. Here, hold my beer. So here, hold my beer. Hold my beer. Yeah, I'm a man on a mission. All right. couple, a uh, bit of news in the NHL. So we had a uh, game one of the Avs and uh, Golden Knights was a fucking bloodbath. For some reason, uh, the Knights started uh, Leonard in net instead of Flurry. Yeah. And it was a fucking shit show from the get-go. 7-1, I think, was the final score. Yeah. Things got rough. Uh, a couple of big hits. Graves, Ryan Graves, I want to say. Yeah, I think it's yeah, Ryan Graves. Uh, yeah, Ryan Graves. Had a blindside hit in the corner on Yanmark. 
knocked him out, late hit a bit. Cooter didn't think it was late. Jones thought it was late. He was watching the pass. Uh, yeah, yeah, that he made matter. five seconds before it he got It wasn't five hit. seconds. Even on the broadcast, they went down to slow-mo and they did it frame by frame per second. And it was not even two, uh, two seconds. It was a second and a half, I think. I, I'm not going to say it was dirty because he was watching his pass. I just think it was late. Uh, I don't think it was late. <laughs> What's an acceptable time period for you, Kudo? He says Norm- one to three seconds, apparently. Yeah. Normally you have one to three seconds to hit somebody. As soon as the puck comes off his stick, I have one to two seconds or two to three seconds to hit him. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but like, a, like one, two, three. Not like a one Mississippi, a two Mississippi. Three. No, but it's a seconds. one, two, three. Boom. You can hit him. One, two, three. Well, is that's like, not, that wasn't three seconds that, that like Ito, he just yes, counted it is. Kudo. No, it's not. That's a second and a half. And that's basically one, what Ryan Rizzi or Ryan fucking it? Graves. It's not a late hit. Okay, in my opinion, it's not a late fucking hit. Don't watch your fucking pass. Puck was gone. Puck was he's gone. Got yeah, he's watching engaged with. He's got a, the puck's gone. He's got another guy engaged with him, and then Graves comes across everybody, takes a run you at him. You know, you got an idea. Graves coming. It. He saw Graves coming towards him in the corner. I, he just decided to watch gonna... his pass, and you know he's going to hit you. It's the fucking playoffs. They're going. Everyone's going to finish their fucking check. You're supposed to finish your check every time. There's a couple like times it. in the Habs and Leaf game where I was like, fuck, hit the guy. Like every time they like they just skate around and like do the skate check or stick check and fucking spin off. It's like, no, finish your fucking check. Put them through the fucking boards. Even if it's not a hard hit, even if it's just a fucking a bump. Like, here, I'm here. Just fucking know you're there. Put a body on him. Yeah, 10 seconds after he passes it, make no, sure you put a body seconds. on him. Holy fuck, man. You guys are fucking soft now. You guys are Leaf fans. Holy fuck. I resent that statement. No, all I'm saying is there's there's a big difference between one and a half seconds and three seconds. I never said it was a dirty hit because he was watching his pass, but it was late. And that's why late. I think it, it was a bad hit. I don't think it was late. Anyways, the late... Uh, not I think late it was hit. worse than, than Kadri's hit. Mm. Uh, I think uh, Kadri's The only hit, difference is Kadri was on the board. Kadri was open ice and this one was boards area. Even though it was in a riskier spot, because it was about a foot off the boards, but uh, I don't know. I think Kadri's hit. He's coming completely blindsiding the guy. I think this one was pretty similar. He was shielded. He couldn't see him because he was engaged with the other guy. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I think he saw Graves coming, but he ended up still watching his pass because I don't think he really expected Graves to finish his check, but Graves did. Well, I don't think that Graves saw. Ryan Reeves coming to break his face and oh. knock him out cold or whatever happened later out. in that game. Pull, Pull his, his hair out. Put his knee in his face. Knee on his head. Yeah. It he, was he fucking him, brutal. He got him bloody. But then like yeah, Ryan Tyson Jost was like giving someone like a rear naked check or choke hold. Like he was <laughs> he fucking jumped on the guy for a piggyback ride and then took him to the ground and was choking him out and it was like that scrum, I was like, oh my god, what is going on? <laughs> and then you think that Tom Wilson thinks bad. And you see this, you're like, what? <laughs> like, everyone was losing their mind about the Tom Wilson thing, but what about this fucking thing that just happened? No one was saying shit about that. I've heard nothing today about the Ryan Reeves and fucking Joe's fucking he been suspended out. yet? Did they give him a suspension? They gave him two games. And also, also, the guys all had their helmets on. It wasn't like throwing some guy to the ice without a helmet on. So... There is that. Yeah, but Reeves Two was, games, though? But Reeves is slamming his head into the ground. He smushed his face into the fucking ice. So, so the reason I feel that. like he was cut is because his, his uh, visor cut him. 
because his visor in his face was like his visor was in between his face and the ice getting crushed. No, I think Two he's got games? a big nose. Fuck, no wonder Kadri's fucking uh, appealing his suspension. Yeah, he's fucking livid. So Kadri, uh, Kadri was suspended what eight games? He uh, appealed it to Batman, which is a first stage. Batman has upheld the suspension. So Kadri has now appealed to the independent arbitrator. That will be the the final say whether or not he gets a a reduction or not. You got to think that in the to this arbitrator, the arbit, uh, yeah, arbitrator, yeah. Am I saying that right? Yeah, you yep. are arbitrator. Yep. They he's get they got to show this Ryan Reeves clip and say, well, this this is going on here, and then they got to show the Ryan Graves hit. This is going on here. He doesn't get anything, and Kadri's getting eight games. I'm pretty sure Ryan Reeves has a, a past history. I don't know what his suspension record is like. I don't think he's had any long ones, but I think he's missed some games. And I honestly don't know if he's missed a game for suspension. Yeah, he he got suspended in last year's playoffs, I think, for a game for something, but I'm not 100 percent sure. Yeah, he's had he's had very he's had minor suspensions, like one game, two game. I think nothing for um, like a dirty hit or anything like that. I don't think. I think it's more after the whistle stuff that he's been suspended for. Yeah, yeah, I I, I think that's right. So yeah, so that happened. Uh, the Avs ended up getting a nine-minute power play in that game. I think that that'll w- that would have worked for the Canadians because there's no way the Leafs would have scored on a nine-minute power play. But uh, <laughs> at the same um, time, I don't even think the Habs would have uh, early on in the se- series. But what I want to know is how do you get to nine minutes? Because obviously you get five, probably right. You got five, and then, and then do you, what, do you get double two minor. double minors on yeah. the top. Yeah, you got. Two double minors for roughing and then a five minute intent to injure. Yeah, because I didn't see the the start of the actual like the time running down. So I thought it was actually eight minutes. So I figured, oh, it was just like two double minors or something. No, he got nine minutes. So five for intent to injure and two double minors for roughing. That's wild. I don't, I don't think I've ever seen that. And I'm guessing they have to serve that full nine minutes. Yep. No. What? Like if they had a scored on. The minor penalties, could they come off the clock? Yeah, the minor the penalties come off the there? clock. Minor penalties always come off the clock. It's just the major that stays. So the first five minutes of the power play was the major. And then the last four minutes were the two double minors. Hmm. Interesting. I have a, a, a Carly fun fact here. Um, Carly submission fun fact. Uh, Brad Marchand has 643 points in his last 643 regular slash postseason games. So that's apparently the regular Brad season Marchand is yeah. Apparently Brad Marchand is a point per game player. So um, there's your your curly fun fact of the week. Maybe that's the guy uh, the Leafs need. Yeah, good luck getting him. Yeah, no shit, eh? He's not gonna go for the fucking Leafs. It's not even that he's gonna go for the Leafs. It's good luck getting him out of Boston. <laughs> That's the thing that, that you see online where everyone's like, oh, they got to trade for this guy, trade for that guy. But then I'm like, do you guys never think the other team, do you think they want to give up that player? <laughs> like, do you well, think yeah. they really want to get like Marner and then re- and like give up like Eichel? No, you got to give more than just I- like Marner, Marner for, for Eichel like, straight up. No, I don't still. think that happens. Like, it don't, doesn't happen. It We're going to have the happen. highest paid center ice in the NHL. Yeah. Just put, give a bunch of scrubs on the wings and let's go. <laughs> oh, just put Eichel with Matthews. They're buddies from the. Playing in the was that the American uh, team or what's that American fucking program? And there you go, development team. U.S. development team. 
Uh, speaking of the U.S. development team, uh, Seth Jones has uh, let the Columbus Blue Jackets know that he does not intend to resign with the club when he becomes a unrestricted free agent at the end of next season, uh, which could make him a very coveted trade piece this offseason should Columbus decide that they want to move him and recoup some assets. Yeah, so it's... That that trade, if it does happen, has to probably happen before the expansion draft, or else they're going to protect them and then try and get their assets back. I don't know. I guess maybe. Yeah, I don't think it has to happen before the expansion draft. I think they can they can protect yeah. them and then. It's just yeah, I, I would think it would happen if it's going to happen this year. It's going to happen before the start of the year. If it doesn't, then they'll uh, they'll still try and woo him to come back. I could see it being a summer trade and. An, the compensation, I think, will depend a lot on if he resigns. So they'll be able to negotiate with him after free agency opens. So possible that the trade suitor might be able to negotiate a you know long-term extension with him, which would then up his value with uh, the return to Columbus. So could be interesting. Leafs probably give him $14 million. Yeah, why not? You said we have twenty million. We have twenty million available. <laughs> just put it. Just put it on the books. Yeah, <laughs> and they still won't get out of the first round. Huh? Any other hockey conversation you guys want to talk about? No, that's it. That's no. all I got. Kudos just sitting there with his shitty grin on his face. Still, I like to call it the Matthews grin. Now it's okay. I'll be sitting here with it when the Jets put him out, and I get my case of beer back. We'll see. See. You can't call it the Matthews grin because he was grinning because he wasn't stupid enough to take a penalty when Schrott was trying to ragdoll him. Like it's or just maybe he should have now. Get more engaged in the fucking series. Why wow, they won that game? Get his fucking team going. Yeah, they won the game. Yeah, they didn't win this fucking series when it matters. Series is what matters. You got to win four, not three games. Yeah, but last they, year you only had to win three games. Yeah, Montreal only won three games last year. That's the that was the play in first round, wasn't it? Oh, whoa, whoa. whoa. You're, you're, you're changing the rules here. You just said you got to win. <laughs> no, holy fuck. When it comes to the playoffs, you have to win four fucking games. And the Leafs can't fucking do it, okay? So the Canadians didn't win a playoff series last year. Is that what you Yes, saying? they did. No, because you just contradicted yourself. You said they got to win four games in the playoffs. When it comes to the playoffs, they got to win four games. Yeah, and you got to win four fucking the play games. In, they only had to win three games the last year. The plan was the best of so five. They didn't last year was a fucking bubble. It doesn't fucking count. They still had to win four games. You guys are so salty. I love it. I'm not salty. We're just proving your uh, Habs won. Let's move going on. Going off here. They, when you the guys Habs, are all salty. Habs won the Another play year for you, Leaf fans, to be crying. So go cry or whatever. Speaking of salty, uh, the Chicago White Sox have renamed Loretta's Lounge, uh, which was a section at Guaranteed Rate Field. It's been renamed to LaRussa's Lounge to recognize Tony LaRussa. Instead of the beloved longtime concession employee, uh, the section was previously named after. Thoughts? Bullshit. My thought is that's fucking bullshit. Why would you change Have it? Have you guys ever been to a game there? No, I actually no. never made it to that stadium. So I made it to Wrigley Field, but not that one. I'm pretty sure the section they're talking about in right field is first come, first serve. You can't actually buy seats to the section. And it's just picnic tables. And they're like below... No, they're above the dugout or the bullpen. And yeah, it's pretty pretty wild section over there. I never made it to that section because we didn't get there early enough when I went to the game. But yeah, it's I'm 
almost positive Gus told me it's first come first serve kind of like a picnic table just go there fucking pop your squat to bring you your food they bring you your drinks it's pretty good pretty good deal yeah but you gotta have a ticket to get in don't you you gotta have a ticket to get in but if you want to sit there instead of in your seat it's oh, first okay, come first okay, serve okay oh okay okay yeah it just it seems strange to me um why they're recognizing Tony La Russa. it's his first year as a manager he's done nothing He's admitted he doesn't even know the rules of the game. <laughs> He's and, a fucking clown. And extra innings. He's gone after his own players for violating the unwritten rules of baseball. He's, you know, he managed, what, 50 years ago there? Like, this is the second time around. I don't think he was successful the first time around. Like, it, it makes no sense to me why you rename that LaRusso's Lounge. Like, it just a slap in the face to this beloved employee that they named the, no the section after. No shit. That's why it's bullshit. Unless he fucking gave them money to be like, Hey, put it up, name it after me. Here's some fucking money. I can see maybe that him doing that or something stupid, but I don't like why. If he was smart, he'd give them money to not name it after him. Cause he's becoming the most hated guy in Chicago. His fucking players even think he's fucking half in the bag and fucking out. And like, he's fucking dumb. I don't know what to say about this guy. Did you see, uh, uh, Yerman hit another 3-0, uh, 3-0 bomb last week. <laughs> yeah, this one was in like a zero zero game or a one nothing game. So I, I think I think Larus will be happy that he swung away on this one, but uh, he violated the unwritten rules of baseball again. And uh, did you see the play with um, Billy Hamilton? I think that happened maybe either today. It was today, or, I think. Was it today? Yeah. Yeah. Where he fucking just kept running, and basically it was it, technically I don't think Literally, it was a home, uh, in the park home run. I think it would have been scored a triple because he was he was on his way to third. The throw went home. Yeah, but I think what they were saying it's gonna it was actually gonna be uh, credited as a double, RBI double. But then he got like got home on airs. Yeah, but I can see your point that it should have been a triple because he was technically on his way to third already when the throw was going home. Mm-hmm. But yeah, whatever. And the the funniest uh, comment I saw was like, "Oh, Larusa is gonna be pissed about this one." Hamilton didn't ask the other team if it was okay for him to score. <laughs> I think that was one of the better comments I saw online about that. Yeah. Shane Bieber was on the mound too. Um, Josh Donaldson said that he is going to release an, an entire catalog of pitchers who cheat with forward substances. Uh, this comes after an incident last week. In, I think it was a Cardinals game. Yes. Um, Joe West. Yeah. Joe West approached the pitcher unsolicited from the other team and asked him to remove his or to change his hat. He had yep. to. So they took his hat. We're going to send it for testing. Told him to wear another. He didn't get ejected from the game. And the Cardinals manager was irate. Like, and, and rightfully so. Like the umpire is just kind of inserting himself in there. Like I think the rules of the game are the uh, the visiting team has to basically protest or, you know, inquire before you go and make those decisions. Right. And yeah. if they didn't say anything, then they didn't care. You shouldn't have been telling them to change his hat. He said something about it being sunscreen on the hat, whatever. Yep. Who knows? It was, but still substance. He was, he was cheating for sure. He's cheating, but they all fucking do it. They, they all find a way. Yeah. But the thing is, I don't think it was actually sent for testing. I think it was just Joe West saying, Hey, I see some shits on your hat. Let's just change your hat. So you don't get in shit. No, he said after that it, it was going to go for te- they they it always goes for testing, but they were giving they were allowing him to stay in the game. So oh, they okay. took the hat, they were sending it for testing, but he wasn't getting ejected for it if he changed his hat. 
was essentially yeah because what i saw from joe west was he just said i just asked him to change his hat he agreed and he didn't like seem to be upset about it he said it was the um, there was this manager that came out swearing at me and, and basically bitching that he was just like yeah that's it i had enough you're gone fucking joe west but anyways josh donaldson apparently has a whole ca- a whole catalog he's gonna release so this will be the next uh the next scandal could be bigger than the trash cans <laughs> <laughs> Shane Bieber is going to be giving back his uh, his Cy Young award because Josh Jonathan thinks thinks he cheats. Um, I wonder about I don't Trevor know that Bauer he's on the list. Don't, don't don't quote me on this. I don't want to. I'm not shaming Justin or Shane Bieber. I wonder <laughs> Justin, <laughs> Justin again. <laughs> Shane, my name is not Justin. I wonder how uh, Trevor Bauer feels about it. <laughs> Did you see that Trevor Bauer shirt? Yes, I think you sent it to. Him. I sent it to you because I didn't realize a, until like the a next pimp day. My ride shirt that it was but pimp it, my homer. Yeah, <laughs> pimp your homer or something. Like that's the guy. He's 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 here to have fun. He's a pitcher and like basically wearing a shirt yeah. telling the batters, "Yeah, go ahead, pimp your homer. I don't care." So I really want to know what he thinks of the whole situation with Donaldson. I'm sure he would say, "Yeah, I'll put it out there" because I don't think he cheats. So I think. Yeah, I don't really think he gives a shit either. Yeah, he's a type. He's Bowers, like, "Yeah, go ahead." Bauer, Bauer, the kind of guy who calls his own pitches. So, <laughs> yeah. Well, if you really want to know what I was throwing, just ask me. I'll tell you. Yeah. Last week we talked about uh, the Blue Jays prospect uh, Alec Manoa was set to make his MLB debut. We were inquired what we thought his uh, his ceiling would be if we thought he'd be with them. We all kind of said, "Well, it depends how his first first couple starts go." Well, his first start went really well at Yankee Stadium. Pitched six innings, shut out baseball, allowed two hits, I think, over six innings, striking out seven. Uh, pretty good. Pretty, 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 pretty good. good for first career start. Pretty good. Pretty, 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 pretty good. Any, uh, any Manoa thoughts? I was very impressed with him. I didn't see much of him in the minor leagues or anything like that. But when he came in, he he was he looked really impressive, and he went he he battled he battled hard, and he went right after the Yankee batters, and he had a, had a hell of an outing. Yeah, well, to be honest, there hasn't been much time for him in the minors because he was drafted two years ago. Last year, there was no minor league season, and then he made two starts this year. So, <laughs> yeah, and did you see his parents and his family there? They were having a great yeah, time. I think he's from New York. I think he's from New York area. Oh, is he? Yeah, yeah. Well, his mom was having a great time. She was yelling, cheering him on. Had tears coming down her eyes. His family's just cheering him on the whole time. It was great to see. He was talking in the post game press conference. Did you see that with Hazel May? No, I didn't see his uh, post. No. So they were. She asked him about his mom's reaction, and he said something like, "You know, I'm happy. You know, I'm, I'm glad that you know I could kind of do this for for my family." He said, "You know, I remember growing up. There was you know days that uh, my mom wouldn't eat." To, so that my brother and I could eat, you know, it, it was pretty. Oh wow! Yeah, pretty, uh, pretty heavy stuff. Like that's, you know, good, you know, good for him. You know, he made it. Hopefully, you know, he's obviously he's gonna he's gonna take care of her. So yeah, you know, definitely that's, as he should. Crazy. A lot of families do that, right? They sacrifice as much as they can if they think their kid's gonna go far. They have to. And a lot of a lot of players, families, and kids out there don't have the. Uh, the financial to go out there and play a certain sport or any sports sometimes. So they need that support. And a lot of teams or a lot of families have to struggle and do what they have to, to let their kids play. So good on her and good on his family yeah, for supporting them. Uh, Blue Jays are making their 
second home opener today. They're moved to Salem Field in Buffalo where they played their home games last season. They did a lot of renovations to the field in advance of this year, just where they didn't have time to do it last year. They moved the bullpens to the outfield. They've redone all of the uh, the clubhouses. They've done like the dining room, new gym, new therapy rooms, new you name it, just new amenities all the way around. Uh, it looks like they built a temporary structure in parking lot behind the stadium which is where the visitor clubhouse is and kind of the same thing where it's it, it's a, it's a temporary like tent it looks like uh but they got all the they got a, a nice gym they got a nice you know not a nice eating area but an eating area for them locker room area if you were in a if you were an opposing team going to play the blue jays there would you be upset that your locker room was in a tent, but made to be major league caliber, or would you be more upset if you were using an old shitty triple A locker room facility? Is the tent waterproof? <laughs> I think so. Yeah, it, it's like it, it's like a full structure. Like it's. Uh, Is it heated? I I assume that it, it's heated then, or cooled. Then it's I probably, wouldn't they're care. Probably more worried about the air conditioning in the summer than the. Than the heating. Well, it depends on a. You know, you could get a cold, rainy night. You want some heat in there. But no, I would. If if you're telling me it's up to major league uh, levels, then I wouldn't care. I'd rather have that than some grummy visiting locker room that you hear some places have. So, yeah, I'm not sure what they're going to do after this season. Like when the Bisons are set to go back there, if you know, if I'm imagine, imagine they took over the visiting clubhouse, and that's why. Uh, they had to build this temporary structure. So I don't know if they're going to build another clubhouse out there for the visitors or whether they'll just uh, convert some of the area back to uh, to the minor league facility. Are my personal belongings safe in that tent? <laughs> yeah, it looked like it was probably fenced. Probably security on it. Then I might be okay with the tent, but... I'm more worried about maybe, my personal maybe, maybe belongings. Leave all the, maybe leave the the change you're not wearing um, in the in the hotel. <laughs> what about my wallet safe. though? I got to wear the wallet yeah. on the field. You don't need a wallet. Yeah, you do. You, these guys these guys carry their phone with them. Well, you got the you credit know, card. You got to have the credit card on you. The black card, or whatever you call Apple it. Apple Pay, bro. Apple Pay. <laughs> I don't use that shit. You t- you telling me that you don't think Tetis Junior's using Apple Pay? Who knows? Maybe not. <laughs> maybe it doesn't even have an iPhone. True. Major League Baseball is facing a $100 million lawsuit uh, launched by a group representing small business owners in the Atlanta area because the MLB moved the All-Star game from Atlanta to Colorado due to voting, uh, voting rights law changes that passed in the state. Thoughts on big lawsuit? I don't think I've ever heard or seen something like this happen before. The MLB getting sued. It, it, it is a first for sure. Yeah. But I don't think there's much of a case, to be honest. Yeah, I, I can see Atlanta the, being really upset by it. But to go and sue the MLB now? Uh, well, it's not It's not Atlanta that's suing. It's not the Braves. It's, well, I know um, it's not the Braves. I mean, like, just like... They're called the Job Creators Network. And they're basically... It's a group that's co-founded by the guy who 
the retired owner of Home Depot or the retired founder of Home Depot. Basically, he says, specifically, the complaint argues that the league purposefully and maliciously decided to punish small business owners when it moved the game out of Truist Park in Atlanta instead of appealing to lawmakers. The group is asking for $100 million in damages for businesses and $1 billion in punitive damages, according to, to readers, or readers or whatever. I don't know how they're how they can build a case to show that there's going to be a hundred million dollars in lost revenue to these businesses and a billion dollars in punitive damage. Yeah. For this, like the MLB all-star game is like a four day event, three day event. So that seems, seems excessive. Excessive. Yeah. And I, yeah, I don't know. And like technically, the MLB could just be like, "All right, we'll just give it to you in a couple years." So like, relax, chill out. Well, yeah, they'll get another one for sure. Yeah. So like, why they like? I don't understand why they're so worried. That's almost like a team that like didn't get it this year. Like, oh, they now they can go and sue. Be like, well, you didn't give it to us, so we're gonna sue now. That's what it seems like. Yeah, I think it's more that they awarded and took it away in on short notice. But you know, I think like ninety day notice seems like pretty good notice period to to take anything away. So. I don't know what these, the small business owners, they wouldn't have, it's not like they would have been upping inventory for that weekend, you know, restaurants or hotel hotels probably would face it the worst. Yeah. Restaurants wouldn't, you know, they would lose revenue, but they wouldn't be out cost because it's not like they would be stocking up for a weekend, three months in advance. Yep. I just, I think it's ridiculous. Yeah, I agree. Um, I'll just jump into some stuff here. In the CFL, Canadian Football League, for our American listeners, the football team out of Edmonton, formerly known as the Eskimos, have changed their name to be known going forward as the Edmonton Elks. The Elks. Thoughts? I'm not really impressed with their logo. The logo seems a little soft. It's a deer. It doesn't even look like a deer to me. Are you well, sure it's not an elk? <laughs> <laughs> well, it doesn't even look like any of those. They could have done a better job, is all I'm saying, at the, on the logo. I just don't think the name flows very well. Like, you know, usually it's, you know, you try to match syllable, like syllables in the name. Like Edmonton's a long name, and then Elks is very, very short. Like, I don't know. Yeah, but I feel just like they doesn't... wanted to stick with the... The double E. They wanted an E. They yeah, wanted the double E. The double E. The, but yeah, the then why do you change the logo? You might just stick with the double E logo then. Well, they probably they may still. But, you know, for branding purposes, revenue stream, you might as well create another logo as well. Yeah, I guess they get new jerseys and everyone starts buying those because they're brand new. It's a brand new t- name and everything. I just hope that they can, you know, instead of being the Eskies, I hope they can be the Elkies. <laughs> the Elkies. Alcoholics. <laughs> Have you guys been following the NBA playoffs at all? Um, um, not totally. I'm I'm actually watching a game right now. But I've definitely seen what's happening off the court or while the players are going off the court. Yeah, there's been a lot of fan fan engagement problems in the playoffs. Um, and I, I'm guessing it's probably just uh, unrest from a, a year of not being able to attend the games. Uh, but we've had we had a spitting incident at. The Knicks, Knicks Hawks game. Somebody spit right over fifty cents. Uh, Girlfriend, mistress, or whatever, <laughs> <laughs> whatever she is. It was fifty cents, girl. Someone threw a bottle at Kyrie Irving, leaving the court in Boston. Something happened with 
was it Russell West? Yeah, Russ Westbrook. Westbrook got uh, popcorn dumped on him. Okay, yeah. And then last night in the Wizards game. Yep. Oh, uh, fan was on the court. I was trying to. I'm trying to remember who Dwight Howard plays for. That's. I just remember Dwight Howard was involved in the incident. He Sixers. Sixers. Oh, did you say the Kyrie Irving one where he got the water ball thrown out? Yes, yes, we did. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It was fan fan on the court yesterday. Security guard tackled him and, and carried him out. But he look the play was at the other end, and he came on the court, and it looked like he tried to dunk or something, and then he was still there, <laughs> and the security guard just came out and tackled him. <laughs> nice tackle too. But uh, I heard on uh, on Tim and friends today they were talking that you know like. They think it's just, you know, unrest by a few fans because of, you know, everything that's happened in the last year. They say in like European sports, they put like fencing up around the playing surface so you can't, you know, get at the players where in North America you have, you know, pretty good access to the players. Yep. Do you think we're going to be in a situation here in North America where we end up getting uh, barriers um, dividing the players and the, and the surface? I don't think so. Yeah, I'm not too sure. Um, like, did you say they have fences up in basketball games? In yeah, Europe? You said, I think they said in Greece um, they have like fencing around the court. I don't know if fencing is really going to stop people from throwing shit. Like, no, because it's like in hockey where you got fans that go over the glass and end up on the ice somehow. They still yeah. do it, and then like you would think that they wouldn't be climbing up over the glass, and they do that. <laughs> or like you you jump out down the outfield wall to get on the field in baseball game exactly. or whatever, right? Like. I, I don't see fencing coming up. I see, I think I see heftier fines coming to these people that do this shit and lifetime bans. And yeah. Well, like, yeah. Like the guy from, uh, in Boston, I think he's being charged, like criminally charged for the water bottle throwing incident. Now, I don't know what he might get for that, but it's, I, I think if you give healthier or heftier fines, you might, uh, you might stop some of this stuff. I don't know. Or give them jail time. Give them a month or two in fucking prison. Or lock them up yeah, for the You bit. already have an overpopulated prison system. You're going to put. Okay, if we want to get technical. Water okay, yeah, okay, yeah. Yeah. I understand that, but I'm just saying. Well, while, while we're on the topic of fan unruliness, did you guys see the clip I sent? I think I sent it to you guys last night, or you sent it to me. I don't know who. I think who you sent, sent it in. But uh, minor league baseball game. And pitcher hits uh, hits the batter you know, high. It's it it's you know high in the shoulder, and then all of a sudden a fan charges them out, and the player doesn't the the, the hitter doesn't charge them out. A fan charges them out and gives the pitcher a push, and then uh, third baseman comes in and knocks the guy on his ass. And the the away bench clears. the The home bench doesn't doesn't move. The the, the away the away bench clears, and the guy's like. You know, the, the comment calls him like a meth tweaker. I don't know if he was meth, but he was he was ready to fight the whole team. <laughs> the umpires are like saving this guy's life by just putting a divide. They all, the umpires all divided the team from the guy. And then one of the players on the home team just kind of put his arm or, like, put his arm around him and walked him off the field. Yeah. Like, just fucking bizarre. Yeah. Minor league baseball. I, I don't know what that guy was thinking. He must have been on something to get out there and just. It looked like he tried to slap the, the pitcher in the face. It's like, what are you thinking? Yeah. Yeah, he went to throw a haymaker or something, didn't he? And then he just kind of like... Yeah, I don't really know. He stepped... Or it was a weak he, he haymaker if he was trying to throw this, one. Yeah, he challenged them for sure, though. He was like, he was like ready to throw. Yeah, he was like, like calling them out, like, let's do this. Yeah. Weird. Weird incident. So a lot of shit going on in the stands. There's a lot of fighting and all. It's just out of hand right now in the States. 
Um, and then in tennis, we have the French Open. French Open? Yeah. French Open. Roland Garros. Big story is before the tournament started, Naomi Osaka, who's one of the top women's players in the world, um, she went public and said that she's not going to do any any press. Uh, she's not going to do any press obligations yeah, at the, uh, after her match. Uh, she's willing, willing to accept the fine um, that come with them. Basically said, I hope that you send the fine to um, mental health. And she basically cited that the mental health of the athletes is not considered in these questions that they're asked after, you know, after their matches. So she won her first match. She refused to do her, uh, her press. She was uh, fined. And then... Today she withdrew from the tournament. Any thoughts on Osaka and her mental health issues? And yeah, like I understand where she's coming from. Um, like you know, you've seen some of these things. People get like people tear you apart in these things. Um, I was just reading an article when I saw it, when I remembered about this, and uh, it was like Venus Williams, and she's like, you know, I dealt with depression from these interviews but then i always would tell myself like these people that are writing about me and asking me these stupid questions will never be able to play as well as i have or i can and so you can write and say whatever you want i know that i can play it's never going to like like light a candle under me because you know you you can't do what i'm doing you've never tried to do what i'm doing but then again i can see how it can affect people people are everyone's different right like people handle things differently all the time so i so my my issue is is like as a professional athlete it's part of you of being a professional athlete is post game post match interviews um like do you think any of the players that lose a stanley cup final or any final want to be out there getting ripped by reporters about how they played like they don't want to but it's just part of being a professional athlete so I feel sorry for her because, like, you don't want to see anyone battling with mental health issues for sure. So it's it's kind of a tight rope to walk, I guess. I think there's probably too much access for those reporters, and a lot of them don't have any business being there. Like, there, there's there's journalists that understand the sport and that can write about it, and then there's journalists that just get sent there to cover it because they're a sports writer and it's. Uh, you know, one of the biggest tennis tournaments in the world. And you, you see all these like, you know, highlights and stuff where they're, you know, they're in the press and the guy asks a question like, well, what were you thinking when you, uh, or where do you go from here now that you lost? And he's like, well, I won. Right. And you, like, yeah. Yeah. I've seen those. Uh, it's like, well, what, who, who let this fucking clown in? Like, what are you doing? It'd be like, let's letting Kudo go to do fucking tennis. <laughs> or, or I'm just sitting in the, in the beer tent drinking away and then really like asking the guy a question. Oh, so you lost this match. Uh, how do you feel? It's like, I won you clown. What were you doing? Oh, sorry. I was in the back drinking. Stick to Frisbee golf. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know about that. <laughs> You'll figure it out. I'm still trying to get into the league or into the sport. All right. Well, yeah. Like, I don't know. I, I, I just think it's, it's a difficult situation to be in and, you know, hopefully she can get help for her depression and, yeah, to be honest, they probably benefit more from being allowed to not do press on the match on the days that they play 
So if if you you know if you play on Tuesday, you win your match, you can get to go home, enjoy, rest, you know, mentally recover. Then uh, next day when you come for practice, you know, then you have you know media responsibilities. And I know it's not as fresh in the media's mind, and they want to get things out right away. But I think that you know maybe that's a way that they can benefit the player that you know they're able to collect themselves and recharge if they had a hard fought match they're exhausted they don't want to have the mental strain and go get a good night's sleep and then do their their press obligations the next day yeah it's just like problem is like you know if you lose a lot of people like to get get out of there right so like you lose and you're going to try and get on the first flight well, out but, of town, it, right? but if you're if you lose why do you have to face the media because everyone has to yeah all the other sports you have to in Tennessee, it's it's just like hockey. Like, why did the Leafs have to come out and have press conference last night after they lost? Right? Like, it's just that's just the way it is. You you win, you have people talk to you. You lose, you have people talk to you. Golf, same thing. Like, you know, Jordan Spieth choked on the weekend, and I'm sure after his after his round, he was in the press tent having in an interview and stuff. Right? So it's it's just like any other sport. It's the shitty thing about playing sports, people are always going to ask you questions about why you did something or what happened, right? And it's it's just the shitty thing about sports. But that's how they also get their answers about things too. Yep. All right. Well, that's all the stuff I got. All right. Well, shall I throw you guys on the grill? Fire it up. Grill it up. It's the grill. It's the grill. All right. Let's go. Okay. Do you guys think that Charlie Montoya needs to have a playoff race in September to keep his job for, with the Blue Jays next year? Is his contract up next year? I'm gonna I think s- he's already been extended. Yeah. I think so too. I don't think he I don't think he's in jeopardy. I think he I think most of his moves are scripted anyways, so I don't think he's really, I think he's the fall guy, but I don't think he's <laughs> necessarily, you know, making a lot of the, the real time moves. I don't think they, they're, they are making a lot of real time moves, which is why I think you see these pitchers that can't throw a strike and they don't know what to do is they're not, you know, they're scripting out, you know, how they play the game, which is probably a mistake, but, that's what the Rays do. That's what the Jays are trying to do. That's what a lot of teams do, and it is what it is. So, yeah, I think I think if he if they're out of the if they're not in the playoff race, though, they might consider it. But I, I think he's he's probably safe. No, I think he's safe this year. Maybe next year if they don't go on the they don't make the playoffs or you know they don't go on a run, then uh, maybe he's his job is uh, on the line. All right. Um. Fuck. All right. Do you guys think that the Habs or the Jets have a legitimate shot at winning the Stanley Cup this year? Well, of course, I'm going to say yes. I think you, you got a puncher's chance. You're in the you're in the dance. You got it. You've got a chance, right? I think that they're going to come up against. That it's already been. The, set, they're going to have to go through two really good teams. If the winner of that series plays the winner of Vegas, Colorado, yeah, yeah. So you're going to have to go through a really good team there. And then you get to the finals, you're going to have to go through a really good team. So they're going to have to earn it, but 
they got a punch of chance. Both teams have incredible goaltending, and we know that goaltending could uh, take you all the could way. Could be the difference maker, right? Yeah, and that's what I was going to go towards was the goaltending. Both teams have the goaltending, and that's what this series is going to be about. And it's going to be a fun one to watch. Plus, plus when the Jets get through, they've got three lines of depth. They've got a pretty good team. They're a little weak on the blue line. You mean when the Habs um, get through? No. Yeah, you do. Yeah, you well, know, like they both have good goaltending. You're going to probably face, well, you've got Colorado and Vegas. Both goalies have been nominated for this year's Vesna. You've got Vasilevsky, who is also nominated for the Vesna. So, like, there's a chance you're playing two Vesna-nominated goalies in the next two rounds when you get through. So, like, the, yeah, but the, goaltend- the goaltending is going to be... It's both be Winnipeg there. and Montreal have two goalies that have won the Vesna. Yeah, but you're. I what I'm saying is, but you're, uh, they're they're still good fucking goalies. So, I'm not saying they're not good goalies. What I'm saying is, you're playing against the best goalies from this year. Yeah, statistically, as you the best goalies. When you get into the playoffs, you'd be facing the best players and best goalies. That's going to happen. That's what I'm saying. Kudo. Exactly. But you're trying to make it sound like. Uh, Winnipeg or Montreal are not are going to be facing the top goalies, but then what? Like, what I'm have one Vesna's too. Just you know, and acknowledge that. Acknowledge I, me. I never said they didn't win it. Roman Reigns, <laughs> acknowledge me. Acknowledge me. Acknowledge me. What did I not say that they haven't won a Vesna? Either one of those two goalies. What I'm saying is, is that the Vesna candidates for this year are goalies that they are going to be having to face in the next rounds is what I'm saying. All right. Now let's get into my last two questions here. Both leaf questions because why not bring it up some more? Was last night's leaf loss worse than the epic collapse they had in 2013 against the Boston Bruins? No, it was actually the same. It was very identical to to that same year. I think the Bruins was worse because how close they were. But that year, they weren't supposed to win. This year, they were supposed to win. They collapsed. They suck. That's all it matters. They collapsed both times, if that's what you want. They suck. That's not what I want. I just want to know which one you thought was worse. That's all. All right. And my last one. This year was worse because they lost to my fucking team. I get to rub it in your fucking faces. I think I think the two years ago when Jake Gardner melted down against the Bruins was the worst one. But uh. um, last one, you guys are Kyle Dubas. What is your main goal this off season? Whew. I'm drinking heavily. Pre-sign Hyman and bring the rest of the core back. I think I'm drinking heavily and deciding whether to keep Campbell or Anderson. Well, Campbell's under contract. You're, yeah, Campbell's Campbell's there. Yeah, but are you going to bring back Anderson? If, if Anderson, so I got to drink about. I got to drink, cut. and I got to think about if I'm going to bring him back. Yeah. Well, if, if you're resigning, take a pay cut, you bring him back. If you don't, if he doesn't, you don't. If you're resigning Hyman at probably everyone's saying over five million dollars right now, then you're not bringing back Anderson. You're going out and you're finding a a goalie on the cheap. Well, don't so you have Riddick? Hyman. Hyman's not getting five million. We well, still have Riddick on the books, least. do you not? No, Riddick's a UFA as well. Is he? Yeah, yeah, but you can get it for cheap, so you'd probably have to bring him back then. If you're, we got Hutchison. Oh, you got him too, eh? Fuck. Yeah, they're stacked. Yeah, I don't want this job anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to be the least GM anymore. Fuck that. It's terrible. All right, that's all I got for you. That little pig. 
That'll do. All right. Thanks, Jones. You guys got anything else? You guys want to end this finally? Just put it out of your misery so you guys can join the rest of the summer? Hey, I've already played more golf this year than I did last year at this time. So congratulations. Thanks. And now the least will do the same. Let's go Habs. All right. And thank you everyone for joining us for our 53rd episode. We really appreciate all the love and support. Please give us a follow on Instagram at Into Sports and Stuff. And follow us on Twitter at Into Sports Stuff. No and in that one. And feel free to send us your personal picks of the week and let us know any topics you want us to talk about on the show or even talk about the Habs because, you know, we're moving on. Check out T Public and MeUndies in the show notes. And don't forget to rate, comment, and subscribe if you want to hear us have another miserable podcast after the Leafs lose next year in the playoffs. And we'll see you next week and we'll get into sports and stuff. Hey, Bryson DeChambeau, stop clicking and clacking and hit the music. Go Habs, go! Bye! Bye, just like the Let's go! Bye. Bye.